Good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Business Matters Podcast, coming to you from the Wind Technology Studio. And, of course, we want to shout out a huge thank you to our media sponsor, Royal Credit Union. Today, I've got two special guests that are joining us um, in October throughout the United States. October is kind of referred to as Manufacturing Month to highlight and talk about what does manufacturing mean to our, our community, our communities across the state. Um, specifically here in Wisconsin, very strong background to it. And so we wanted to bring in our guest today to talk about how manufacturing has changed and altered Eau Claire uh, since Uniroyal closed uh, 31 years ago now, and um, what how manufacturing itself has, has changed over the last uh, you know several decades from a dark, dangerous, dirty industry to really a high-tech, uh, clean, uh, high-paying jobs that that I think a lot of people are not aware of, um, and that it's still a strong industry really to go into. So uh, my, my guests here today are uh, Luke Hansen. Luke is with the uh, Eau Claire Economic Development Corporation. Get all those acronyms. I'm sure I missed one in there someplace. One of these days, we're all going to have short names, just really tiny ones. And Aaron White with the uh, City of Eau Claire, and your new title is? The Community Development uh, Director. Community, and multiple others after. After that, I Multiple think. Others after you know, that. I think that's part of. I think in, in our roles in life, we have hats that have about five or six different points to them. So, um, why don't you give the folks both a little bit of background on yourselves and and your time here in Eau Claire, and then we'll kind of take it from there. So, Luke, you got tenure on them. Uh, I think around both of us, if I remember right. So, I do. I've been in the community for a long time. I've been with the EDC since 2012. So, I've been working on just over 11 years. Coming up on. The, 12 so it's going to be a good it's been a good run good uh what we do and primarily focus on is business recruitment and retention at the edc and so we have our our businesses that are currently in our community and a lot of that is manufacturing focused but uh, what we do is keep our local businesses happy and try to keep them here so if they are doing are successful and are growing we want them to grow here we don't want them to leave and if we have somebody that is in in some struggles we want to keep them secure and keep those jobs focused here locally and then our bit other big one is business recruitment and bringing in those new businesses and those bright shiny objects into the community <laughs> so uh, that is that is the fun part uh, about our job is going out and having the community tell us what they want to see here and going out and trying to do, go go fishing for whales is fun. Facebook is always telling you what, what it is they want. I if, know. Everybody wants Trader it, Joe's. I know. If this. it's all so easy, right? I yeah. mean, just snap your fingers and, and go for it. So, Aaron. So, I've been in Eau Claire. It'll be five years this December. I've uh, been in, in the economic development realm for going on 20 years, um, previously in Kansas. Uh, background in um, operations as well with uh, years in Cargill. So kind of a diverse background for for uh, the position. I've been in the the community development director position, which oversees uh, economic development, uh, planning, inspections, and housing divisions for the city. I've been in that role since this summer. Um, on the economic development side, we do a lot of what Luke does, um, focus strictly within the city boundaries. Um, so we work closely with the EDC and projects within the city. 
Um, we also work on projects that relate to like housing developments and things like that. Um, our division also has a, a, the city has a revolving loan program that uh, one of the folks in the economic development division manages. So we have a pool of funds that we use to help small business startups, new businesses, or small businesses looking to grow. Um, so we have programs to help with that. We have a facade loan program that can help spruce up the exterior of a building anywhere in the city of Eau Claire. Um, so we do a lot with small businesses on those end of things. And then again, just um, same type of things, working with businesses, um, looking to see how we can remove bar uh, barriers to, for their success, their growth in here, and also you know doing the business recruitment. So um, it's really important for the city. Growth, net new construction is how the city can increase its revenue stream from a property tax side. So new development is a very important piece of being able to properly fund city operations. And we're number one in the state right now. And just we are number one in the state right now, absolutely. So how do you how do you balance so a couple of things here for you guys to maybe talk about first of all a lot of what you guys do is done in secrecy for for a lot of reasons I mean it you know I know a lot of people complain about that but you know a lot of what you're always doing until we bring the shovels out and stand in front of a camera you you can't necessarily talk about but so talk a little bit about that but also with that how do you balance um, the growth with, you know, as a community, we want certain assets to, to maintain it. Where does that balance come in? How do you, how, how do you view that if coming from your position to bringing businesses in, but are, are we creating a balance at the same time? So that is very well thought out for a lot of our, both of our organizations. Mm -hmm. We really have to work together because if we're going to be bringing in and trying to recruit a company that's bringing in a thousand or 1300 jobs, we don't have the workforce for that. Right. We don't have. We're going to steal from every every family member that we know to for that project to happen. So it's something that we typically won't go after or recruit towards. So it is a very strategic process on what we're looking at and trying to recruit into the area. But uh, also when it comes to when a new project comes in, do we have the housing for it? And that's where the city and Aaron come into play. Is is what are we doing with our current housing study? Are we going to be able to train these new individuals into these new roles which is a part big part of the workforce challenges that they're having so it's not just oh, you know throwing towels at the wall and hoping something sticks but sure. it's it's really pretty well thought out in how we're trying to attract these companies okay no, absolutely a lot of what i do is look at clusters you know we know what industries are here uh, we look for companies that are potentially complementary you know a company that comes in that's going to be able to use one of our existing manufacturers as a supplier or a company that comes in and can provide a, a raw product or a finished product to one of our existing manufacturers that then adds it to their their product line and moves it out as a further refined or finished component. So trying to complement where we can, um, and as Luke said, definitely looking at appropriate scale and scope of projects that aren't gonna rob every other employer right. and drive them to another community just so we can have this one shiny new project here. So. Uh, it's a definite balancing act, um, as Luke said, looking at housing availability, looking at the wages those companies are, that are coming in are paying. Um, are they going to pay competitively to, to make the cost of living work for this area, which fortunately for us, we are much lower than the big metro areas, Correct. which is why we do see a lot of interest in outside businesses yep. looking at communities of this size. There's lower costs uh, versus working in a Milwaukee or operating in a Chicago or the Twin Cities type of thing. But uh, it, a lot of things go into it, and as, as Luke said, it's it, we're, we have some of the best kept secrets in the community because 
we know some of these projects a year before they're announced, and I've, I'm sitting under three NDAs right now, so um, well, I, I, we can't talk I want about you both to touch on that a little bit because, again, have been now 30-some-plus years in the chamber, I get this, but I don't think people understand how long you work on a project. Again, to the point of before we put the shovel in the ground. And I get so many people I've watched, again, social media is great about this. Bring us Trader Joe's, do this. They just think you snap your fingers and they happen. But talk a little bit about that process you both watch and see to get us to the groundbreaking. Right. And so when you're looking at the entire scope of economic development, it takes a long time. Uh, so some of the projects that we've worked on has been in constant communication under non-disclosure agreements for the past uh Say the longest one that I've been a part of is seven years is before this project actually <laughs> took place. So we've been working with a company for seven years, and then the community finally knows about it, you know, after year seven, when they actually break ground and are starting to come, actually making coming into the community. So right now it's, uh, I'm with Aaron. I've got about three NDAs out there for different projects that we're working on, and we it, can't share. But explain we've been to folks what NDA is, what, so, what and, and and what it means. An NDA is uh, a non-disclosure agreement that basically provides the company some protection uh, on if this gets out into the community or out into the the media. Really, uh, it it can hinder the project. So uh, we have companies that have very well focused on they have their current employees and they don't want their current employees to know that they potentially might be moving or coming to sure. a new location and they may not have a job so that's concern uh, other concern is politics when it gets into the media there's things that can happen uh, we all know this one firsthand and it's we just an nda is basically protection to hopefully keep this under wraps until it's actually public information so while we're working with the attorneys, while we're trying to get the land to be site ready and developed, we're, we just want to make sure everybody's comfortable before sure. we have okay. to go out. You know, the confidentiality piece is a lot more important than a lot of, I think a lot of folks would realize. Um, there, any company that's coming and looking at a community, their competitors are watching what they do. They're looking at the same markets oftentimes, so they may suddenly try and come into a market faster if a if it's slipped out of business or a particular project is looking at a community. If it's an expansion, that doesn't always come out with the notice. And suddenly, somebody may think that, oh, they're leaving our town and going to this town. So suddenly, all their customers stop coming to them in their original location when it's not the case. Right. But it can hurt their business when it slips out in a way that's not controlled by the company. So the confidentiality that type is very important. Slips can also hurt communities. Um, the, uh, one of the communities I worked with in Kansas, um, community a little smaller than Eau Claire, um, two prime examples of why confidentiality is important. Um, one project was slipped that Home Depot was looking at a location in there. Lowe's immediately stepped in and bought a five-acre site and announced their building, and Home Depot left. So it was a market that probably could have held them both, but a competitor found out. Their competitor was coming in. They got in there first, and then the other one walked away. Uh, the second one, in a related, to, it's a similar industry. We've been working on a project for a year and a half, a uh, new location. The deal was just about done, and um, a member who should have known better, uh, who was working on the project, actually mm. let some folks in the community know that this big company was coming. It's exciting. It's a great piece of news. He wanted to be able to brag about this is what we're doing. Um, we were at dinner with the site, the real estate VP for this major corporation. 
and some random person came up to um, the the CEO of, of my comp- the company I was working with that was doing outcome development for the city and said, hey, you know, it's great to see you. That's, oh, this must be the guy from X. We're so excited to have you in the community. And this guy's face just went blank. Oh. And the rest of that dinner was really quiet. And three days later, they killed a $40 million project, <laughs> said, we will never be in your community. Wow. It wasn't until he retired like a year and a half later and his replacement started reviewing old locations that we got back on the radar and ended up getting that project. It was delayed by almost three years because of that, because somebody said something they shouldn't sure. have, and the company got concerned, and they walked. So it can have it, direct yeah. costs. That's three years of property tax, and in, in the case of Kansas, sales tax collections that the city did not get because somebody said something that they shouldn't have to somebody that should not have known about the project at that yeah. time. So confidentiality is a big thing. Well, I, I always share the story, of course, you know, about Disney and, I, and, and get people to understand. I mean, you look at what Walt did when they moved to Florida. I mean, they, they worked through 50 different law firms and everything just to keep the price from going through the rough, you know. So, again, it, I, I, the reason I want to touch on it is it's, I, I hear from people that they think there's something wrong with that or it's illegal. It's really just it's to protect everybody. And, again, it, you know, businesses have to make those decisions. Decisions and the longer they, they can keep competition, maybe from knowing or whatever, is a good thing. So um, let's come back a little bit to again as we started manufacturing. From both of your viewpoints, how do you view the manufacturing industry? Aaron, you touch a little bit on clusters as you look at future development. How do you both view the manufacturing industry, not just here in Eau Claire, but in the valley itself? Diversifying is one of the best ways to state it. I think we see a variety of skill sets, a variety of industries here that um, are not necessarily direct competition to each other. We have um, metal manufacturing, um, that type of general, you know, general manufacturing. We have composites and plastics manufacturing. We have wood product manufacturing, serving different industries. Um, that kind of diversity is important. What you see with Unirol closing in the 90s, what happens when you have a single industry driving a whole bunch, when they leave or change something, it's a massive impact to the economy of those communities. You see the same thing in the automotive industry. You see the same thing in the aviation industry, a a very specialized single manufacturer that's a monster in the community with thousands of employees when they shift something or when they close – the ripple effects go a long ways. So having a more diverse manufacturing base, which what we see here is a much healthier um, economy or a much healthier landscape for manufacturing in a community. It's a big thing. It is a big thing, and we're seeing a big shift now as in manufacturers are becoming less reliant on workforce, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're becoming more heavily invested into automation and being able to have automatronics and manufacturing processes uh, basically gets hands off and that's also a good thing for you know less workman's comp less people getting their fingers stuck in a in a piece of machinery and you've got a piece of equipment that can actually weld or can run the line or it can operate and package and ship and you name it It, we have current manufacturers in eau claire that uh, a single human hand doesn't touch the product Correct. And as it goes through the entire line from uh, putting the initial raw materials in and having the finished product come out the end and packaged and shipped and put on a truck, it's never touched by a human hand. But people also need to realize that's happening because we don't have enough workers. 
you know, we're not replacing jobs in essence. They're doing that because we can't find enough bodies. But we also need to remember it still takes a person to operate the computer to do that whole thing. You know, it, it's they don't operate themselves yet, thank God. I and mean, it's a yeah. whole different skill set and a it, whole different set of training. And, yeah. yeah it, and again, that's right, Topio. That's, you know, we've come from that dumb and, you know, dirty age to it is high tech. You you need those computer skills. You need to understand all of these different variances. Um, and you're right. I, one of the things that I always, uh, I don't know what the word I should use, maybe amazed or, or frustrated at the same time in our communities is most of our manufacturers are hidden. People don't have a clue unless you work there. You know somebody at these what we make and what gets shipped out of here. You know because that's for most of our manufacturers, their products are not being used in our communities. It's it's being shipped someplace else. Mm-hmm. And the, and again, you both touched on it, the variety that we have. And and Aaron, I, I've always talked about you know I'd rather have you know ten manufacturers of a hundred or two hundred each than one at ten thousand because you know when they leave it. I can remember I called. A very good friend of mine a long time ago. He was the uh, uh, my counterpart down in in uh, Janesville. And when the GM plant closed down there, I don't know, it must have been maybe twenty years ago now. I said, "How you doing? That's just got to be devastating for your community." He says, "Dave, I'll tell you what. Half my community is cheering they're gone, and the other half is sad." And he said, yeah, "Again, to your point, and you don't realize how much that big footprint controls everything." And and so there's that balance. So I think most people today they'll understand the diversity is a, is a is a critical thing for us. Yeah, and as Luke touched on the automation, it's also it's better for the employees. A lot of positions that are getting automated are ones that have high um, workforce workplace injury rates or long term breakdowns of the body because it's heavy lifting, it's bending, it's twisting, it's those things that are continuous repetitive motions that cause repetitive motion industries or in- injuries and seeing those shift over to automated positions um, are healthier for the employees that are there and those employees that are working in those areas are our employers are really good about upskilling the folks that are on the floor yeah so suddenly they're learning how to operate the robotic stuff that's doing what they used to do they're getting paid more to do it and they're overseeing more responsibilities so it, it's it doesn't have the, the numbers and Economic development and assistance packages from like the state are starting to catch up with the idea that it's not necessarily about the body counts, it's about the quality of the job and what the skill sets and up, up training it brings that as a benefit to the employees well, that are there. You know, you, you say it's not necessarily, you know, the job numbers are not the same, but just in the last month, we, uh, my team, some of my team members and I, we, we toured two local facilities, both significantly large both going through major refurbishments on behalf of the companies. One, I think three of them total a little over $100 million, and the other one somewhere in the $25, $30 million. But yet both CEOs and both presidents of the companies made a statement to me that the reason they're doing it here is, one, because of the job, the workforce. And again, they both kind of apologized. We're sorry it's only 30 jobs. But then the plant managers quickly looked at me and said, but understand, they're protecting the 600 or the 300 jobs that we have. Those companies are making improvements here because of that workforce. So it may not bring a lot at times, but it protects what we have versus both those other companies we went are shutting other things down and coming here. Correct. And what you see with that is is not just that we have the numbers for workforce here in Eau Claire. I mean, we, we still are shy in quite a few areas, but... Uh, it's the 
the gumption of our workforce. Correct. We have people that are willing to get up and go to work every day, and you don't see that in other parts of the country. Yeah, and that was, again, what was interesting, both of the, 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 these two facilities we toured both have corporate headquarters, not just outside the state of Wisconsin, but outside of our country. And yet, when I specifically asked, how do you view Eau Claire? Is it just a, a you know a, a pin on a you know on a map someplace? And they're like, no, we know this community quite well. We're very pleased with that workforce. As you just said, look, they're showing up, they're going to work. We we don't struggle with that, the old Midwest work ethic that 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 is somewhat I, I think coming back in a ways. Mm-hmm. It is. So one of the things that we've talked about in our development meeting over the last uh, three or four months, uh, again, I think this has a a lot to to say of what you two, your organizations are doing. We're running out of space in our industrial parks, you know, which is a good thing. But then that has to like, where next? Where, Where do we go? So how are you seeing that? I mean, you know, what are those steps that as as a community we need to take to again where does development go you know um you know and unfortunately we do have areas that that people don't want to see anything but re- reality is if we stop growing we're in trouble now i think you both mentioned you, you know we just uh hit the highest construction numbers in the state and we just took over the seventh largest city in the state of wisconsin those are all fabulous things, you know, but growth has to come with planning. So how, how do you, where, where do we go in the industrial park area if we are getting sold out? So we've had several discussions on it, but we, we still haven't landed on a, a particular location on where we would expand our, our industrial park. If it would be a current expansion of the existing gateway industrial park, which we currently have, and we have a few acres left in there, but we're running out of space really fast. Uh, or if we take that model and we move it to a different location in our community and what might that location be and what's the proximity to to major corridors for northwest east and east and south and what uh what's going to be beneficial for the the manufacturers that we can recruit and build into that location so you know we address it a lot of the same ways that the companies themselves that are looking at a community address a site selection process first off is um is it proximity to four-lane highways easy in and out for semi-traffic, um, you know, inbound raw product, outbound finished products? You know, are, is there access to rail or potential for access to rail? Because that's a market that we have a hard time hitting right now. We don't have any direct rail access sites, so being able to pick one up uh, opens up a new, a new world of, of potential submissions for projects that are looking for rail service. Uh, where's the utilities? Um, how quickly can they be stretched to make the, the site shovel-ready? Is water and sewer of a sufficient capacity to handle a broad range of, of, of types of industries? Is there sufficient power in close proximity to quickly deliver power needs to users, which, again, in the, in the industry, in the manufacturing world, power users can vary dramatically. Some who are very small and very efficient to some who probably have a substation all of their own. Um, because they use so much power and because of the lead times to do all these utility extensions um, we look for places that make this easier and faster process to go you know that speeds our ability to put in front of folks to market we can let companies know that hey our sites get you to market faster because that's what most of them are looking for is how quickly can i turn a shovel and be operational on the site if i choose you as a, as a location so we go through a lot of those same type of of decisions and prospects and looking at uh, from the city standpoint, we also look at what's our overall comprehensive plan, um, where do we see growth, where we have identified growth through the comp plan, through the future land use plan, which th- those are all things that the city renews and reviews regularly. 
Um, so we use that as kind of a guiding tool as well. And all with the focus on the least impact on local residents. We don't want right. to be bringing heavy truck traffic through a residential area, period. It's yep. just something that we don't want or no, nobody in the community wants. And if we do that, we're going to upset a lot of people. So we just have to be very strategic in where it goes. I, I, I think that's an important point. But I would also add that people have to remember, too, and, or, or maybe understand first, then remember, is the impact manufacturing has on our community again it's you know for, certainly for them they prefer being I'll, I'll say in the outskirts because they're they're not facing that criticism but then it also hurts because people don't see it they don't understand what because again as we i mentioned earlier their products are not necessarily being used here which means they get shipped out i always joked at two o'clock in the morning and people don't see it but and, and again that's the purpose of doing this podcast this month and talking about the criticalness of of manufacturing when you talked earlier and about diversity of the community it's not just manufacturing it's do we have retail do we have all these other sectors so people understand if, if, so if one piece leaves we don't have that devastation you know so it it i, I hope people ha- take a a better look. I was uh, always encourage people and still do with our leadership, our, our adult leadership program. Take one month out of your year and drive a different way to work every day and see what's in our community and understand how critical those jobs are to our industry. When you look at not just the business being here and the taxes they're paying, but the wages and, and all of that trickle down effect is significant in the community. How do you view that? I mean, how, how would, what would you suggest to people to help understand that? When we look and do anal- you know, analyze projects, um, we can actually go back to hard data on that. The, the RIMS data actually provides multipliers of what happens when you create a primary job. And we can, we can go in and access groups have, groups have access to the RIMS data. We can give them a, a six-digit NAICS code, which is the code that identifies what a particular industry or business is. And they can tell you um, what the multiplier effect is for every job hired on that position, you know, some of the high paying, um, very advanced types of manufacturing for every job created there, it may spend five or six secondary jobs off, which you said that's supporting the, the clerk at the coffee shop where those employees yep. are stopping to get coffee every morning on the way to work, the restaurants that they go to, the retailers that they attend. That money trickles through the entire economy and supports a slew of small businesses and local businesses. But it's it's those folks that are paying better than average wages. They're paying very good wages on the trades, particularly if you're looking at machinists, welders, folks who have very good skill sets. Yeah. They're making some great. I mean, there there are weld shops here that with overtime guys are making seventy, eighty thousand a year or more uh, in this community right now Correct. with a nine month welding certificate. Yeah. So it, it, that money trickles out a long ways in the community, and that's the real value and benefit that you get from a strong manufacturing base is primary employers. Primary employers and also a, a good educational system behind them to support those employers. Yeah. I mean, we have wonderful relationships with their UW-Eau Claire, and we have wonderful relationships with Chippewa Valley Technical College, and they work with all of our local employers, whether that is – commercial or retail or a lot of manufacturing on what do they need to do to train these new individuals coming into the workforce that are going to be hopefully just implemented into your company and be able to 
pick it up and go and run with it. And well, that's a whole podcast in itself that we could be talking about of, of careers and and efforts through CVTC and our K twelve. What are some of those careers that? kids youth young adults could be looking at that you know sometimes have a manufacturing willing to pay for those hours to 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 to, to make sure that they get a worker so that's exactly it and when you're looking at uh just in general uh what manufacturing used to be seen as and it used to be seen as yeah dirty grimy dark and now you come into a manufacturing and you're starting to see a shift but that younger generation seeing yeah, that's pretty cool. You're making something right. right here in Eau Claire that's going into space, or you're yep. making something that goes into every piece of technology in this world on your cell phones and right I here in Eau Claire. get to do it on the computer and not with my hands. So. Right. So as we start to wrap up here a little bit, uh, one of the questions, our final question we always like to ask people is, you know, what is business? How do you view, our podcast is called Business Matters. How do you how do you view business to you in the Eau Claire Triple Valley, how does it matter when when you look at that? What's the importance of business? <laughs> Everything. I mean, it comes down. If you don't have the employers, you don't have the jobs. You're not going to have the population, and you're going to be a dying community. So people are just going to. It's going to fall away. If you have business and industry that are here to support that, it supports. It's at, it's the foundation. It supports everything. It gives people jobs. Gives people reason to live. Gives people an income. Of a, provides them a house and you name it that's why we are a successful and growing communities because we have our our businesses here supporting this community luke hit it on the head i mean in the economic development world our our mantra is if you're not growing as a community you're dying it is a rare community that can stay static year after year nothing changes nothing improves because eventually your younger population says there's right. no opportunity here to grow, so they leave. You will die as a community if you aren't actively growing as a community. And you know, he hit it on the head. You know, what brings people to this community is the the retail opportunities to shop, the restaurants to shop at, the services that are found here that can't be found anywhere else in a very broad swath of Western Wisconsin. Um, we are a, we are the hub for retail education jobs within a broad chunk of western wisconsin and all of that is centered around business small and large the large businesses providing the big employers and really good paying jobs and all those small businesses that provide all the services that folks want to have when you have a good job a place to shop a place to hang out stuff to do all that goes all in a community and it's all centered around business and it's yeah I, i've always viewed that until people I, I look at that you know it's called quality of life and that's something your organization luke is also now kind of integrating into what you do mm-hmm. but it's you know i've always told folks i view it from my hotel days as those are the extras you know not everybody's going to use your tennis court but somebody is and the bike paths and all the other stuff so it's it is that quality of life that you know, as we grow, we talked earlier, you know, we want to make sure that we grow at a rate and in areas that protect that quality of life and, and give people what they want. So, yeah, I'd say that today it's not even the extras. The quality of life is probably a bigger driver than it ever has been. True. Because in the younger workforce, more than it's ever, and w- workforce and HR has been very slow to learn this, but Younger employers are finding a, or young employees, young workforce are finding a cool place to live and find the job when they get there. Yes. So if the quality of life of a community isn't there, the things to do and the things to engage with isn't there, they're just going to pass you by. Yeah. yeah. If they don't have something to do after work, or if they do have the one that is 
the job or the earner of the home and their spouse has another opportunity to do something they want to do throughout the day, that is what is a big driver as well. Very good. Any final announcements from, from either of you gentlemen or from your organizations you'd like to share? Um, definitely just like hit a couple of upcoming events. Um, part of the Economic Development Division is working as, as uh, Downtown Eau Claire, Inc. Our next two big events coming up, we will have our um, trick-or-treat in the downtown. We'll be coming up on uh, Halloween. And then our um, and later this year as part of the Small Business Saturday or Shop Small Saturday, we will be doing our wintertime in the city again, which will be um, pictures with Santa, hot cocoa, hot apple cider. We've been doing that for a number of years. Um, and that's coming up uh, later this this uh, later in November as well. Hmm. And uh, upcoming this weekend, we have our Startup 48 weekend, which is basically a all hands on deck for 48 hours. Of We have uh, young entrepreneurs that are trying to start a business, and they'll come up with an idea on Friday. And by Sunday afternoon, when they make their final pitches, they'll have a successful uh, minimum viable product to launch to market, so which is pretty Wonderful. unique. And then hopefully on December 11th is what our plan is, is to have kind of an economic update uh, for the EDC on our current state of Eau Claire and our Eau Claire economy. So. Wonderful. And well, then we're, we're collectively working on a couple of big, big projects that, again, we can't talk anything about. Yep. NDAs signed on NDAs. <laughs> We've got plenty of those. Just let me know when you can. I'll stand on the building top for you. Sounds good. I Thanks, like, Dave. I, I like shouting. So, um, And, and uh, upcoming for the chamber, we have, of course, our economic outlook luncheon coming up in November. So uh, registration is open for that, so, so please come. Um, and we're also, uh, just a heads up on, on that, we're going to do a second one probably in March uh, because this one here, we have somebody coming from the, the national level of what's happening. So in March, we want to bring some folks up from the state and maybe the U.S. Chamber to talk more local on the economy and where things are going. So as we wrap up here today, I want to make sure that we thank and recognize our sponsors. Of course, Business Matters Podcast is coming to you from the Wind Technology Studio, and our media sponsor is Royal Credit Union. Could not do this program without those wonderful entities and the support that they give to the Chamber, not just with this podcast, but throughout the year. So thank you both. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank both of you for coming in today and helping us out. Uh, thanks for folks, and uh, we'll see you down the road, as they say.